to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome to this week's episode of the English Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine, and shocked to life by Rely on Lithium Batteries. I am David Chong, and joining me as always is the AC Insider himself, Kenneth Grover. And for this week, we get to we were able to wrangle the latest winner of the Elite Series, uh, the Cowboy Joey Sofrento. So he'll be joining us uh, in a few minutes here. But before we get Joey on, just want to quickly catch up because it's going to be a chaotic uh, hectic uh few days for both me and kg and i guess even for joey but uh just uh let's do a quick catch up here but i know for me um this past weekend nothing exciting for the most part i know i went to the sports show in madison uh just to check out a few things but one thing i did check out and made a purchase was uh I know KG something you've been uh, getting more into was uh, some of the Lakewood product stuff. And um, I did check out some of their products, uh, some of the stuff. But I know you mentioned and recommended the, um, was it the Rotsleys, but then also the Lure Wraps. So I did check those out. And I did end up uh, purchasing, uh, they only have three left when I got there on Saturday. So I did end up buying a few of those to just try out and see how those work. Um, looking forward to see how they are. I was hoping they'd be just a little bit bigger for some of the bigger, you know, bigger, thicker crankbaits and stuff like that or hard baits. But, uh, I know that it looks like they'll work well for most smaller size, medium to smaller size crankbaits and jerkbaits. But, uh, I do appreciate you for that recommendation. <laughs> well, it should be big enough unless you're, you're going uh, musky fishing. Well, you know, I'm, I was looking for stuff for like, you know, possibly, you know, swim baits, you know, cause it was, I'm not a big swim bait guy, but even those six, eight inches, uh, just making sure that those, uh, bigger size hooks really, you know, that the wrap is big enough to wrap around, but I haven't played with them yet just to wrap it on, see how, how it went. But just upon initial inspection, I was like, oh, these might work, but we'll see how it goes. But that, that's my biggest concern was just for those. Cause, um, yeah, but yeah, but thanks for that recommendation though. Well, it's a company that's up there in your neck of the woods and they make yeah. great products. So. Yeah. So, but I, know, I talked to uh, Sarah there too, and she she was, uh, she had some pretty good things I was looking forward to seeing <laughs> in a few weeks. So. <laughs> I'll tell you what, someone that, uh, that spends some time on the road and stays busy, that, that lady gets a lot done. Yeah. She's amazing what she does. She's, she pretty much when the year starts off, she's from show to show to show and, uh, Probably won't end until well after the classic. Yeah, I know this. Obviously, this is a sports show season. It's pretty chaotic, but I know that um, for those that I think they'll be at the Red Crest in a week or so mm-hmm. in terms of a big, a big consumer show. And then obviously, uh, the other big one would be the Bassmaster Classic Expo. Besides some of the, a few of the more regional, like local shows, but uh, those two big shows, they'll be having their stuff on display for you to check out. I know for you, KG, I believe I didn't get so obviously since I was at the show this past weekend, I didn't get a chance to check out uh, what you were doing this weekend. But I believe you were working, uh, being out on the water for the ABT South event. Am I correct? Yeah, fortunately, we we were able to go to the south end of the state and it was a nice, fairly warm day. So okay. that, that's always good. That's, you know, we, we laugh about it. But anytime we have an ABT event, it seems like the weather's horrible, but it really wasn't too bad. 
was how was the at least from the boats that you covered how was the fishing action was it slower than you, you anticipate i know for you because you 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 know you're not on the water scouting out and stuff like that so when you go you're um you know you're kind of just you know you hope that you know the anglers that you're on uh that they they, they, they figure something out and, and are able to hopefully put some fish, fish catches on camera but how was the fishing from what from your perspective this past weekend on lake martin Lake Martin's always about numbers. Um, okay. We had uh, which 225 boats is a full field. I think one boat didn't show up, and another boat left early because uh, the angler got sick. So, oh, so wow. out of okay. two 223 boats that actually fished all day, I think it was 221 limits brought in. Okay, okay, so, so that, that's actually pretty good. That, that's that's kind of what we expect out of Lake Martin. There's there's a ton of fish in that lake. Uh, it's a great lake to fish from a number standpoint, but the flip side of that, when you're a tournament angler, is now you have to figure out what is it going to take to get better than average. And that's always the key to these guys. This time of year, it's going to be typically largemouth that you're looking for. Who who can capitalize on a largemouth bite? So uh, I ended up on the very lower end of the lake. Um, so we actually, Kenny, Kenny, my camera guy, we actually trailered down to the lower end. And we cover the whole lower okay. end of the lake and let, let the other two camera guys cover the upper end of the lake. But... Uh, Typically down there, uh, it's probably more spotted bass, um, but the quality of spotted bass down there is typically better than, than up the lake. So um, it, it was just kind of, you know, it's always interesting to see the techniques guys come out with, what's their game plan, how do they do it. Um, stopped on some guys that were fishing real methodical specific areas and had several other guys that were just burning the bank. Um, had one team, uh, Pritchard and Pritchard, who's very familiar with the lake. They were pretty much running I mean, a spot to a spot, like, like they had a specific boat, a brush pile at a boat dock that they would fish. And, uh, it's a father son team. His dad would, uh, basically drive the boat. He'd get up there close to it. Someone jumped the front of the boat, drop the trolling motor, fish the area. They didn't get bit or whatever. They would, they would leave. Um, okay. I, I saw them multiple times. I, I, I was only able to stop on them once. But I saw them crisscrossing the area multiple times as I was covering other teams. So I, I kind of had an, an idea what they were doing and how they were doing it. But uh, they ended up, you know, that's a team that ended up catching a lot of fish, uh, had a decent limit early, and they were able to call up a little bit later in the day and ended up with the, I, I think they ended up top 10, probably seventh or eighth, I think, if I remember right, but had, okay. had a good finish. But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what we try to do on the water is, uh, try to figure out what these guys are doing, um, what the techniques are, what the patterns are, how they attack the lake. Uh, obviously, we're doing live coverage, but we're also filming for TV show. So we're yeah. trying to uh, kind of develop that and and kind of put it all together in a TV show that'll, that'll air um, probably soon, probably in a couple months or less. That's what I was um, thinking. I think it's probably coming up yeah. sooner than later. So, yeah, I think uh, March is when we start the the season so the roll every weekend starting in march okay was a was a fishing primarily pre-spawn or was it starting to with a fish kind of pushing up more uh it, it was that? yeah it's 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 pre-spawn they are they're definitely pushing up uh some okay. guys called quite a few guys called them shallow um i did talk to a team that that earlier in the week they saw fish starting to sort of kind of pair up um that particular day, it had gotten a little bit cooler the night before. It was overcast, threats of rain pretty much all day. So I think that kind of that kind of negatively affected that. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, if it had been sunny and a little warm or whatever, I think it would have uh, would have helped that come through. But I I know the team that finished second, their big fish was caught on a frog, uh, shallow late in the day. So um, you know, there's definitely this this part of the country, and we're we're seeing that on. I don't know if you watched any of Clark's Hill or not, but that's obviously on the other side of Georgia, but it's still similar in, um, you know, weather patterns, things like that for, for where we are. We're starting to see fish really starting to pull up. Uh, our okay. grass is getting green. The Bradford pears have been uh, blooming. So okay. spring is happening in this this part of the country really, really okay. fast. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, I told you that, uh, you know, for the Toyota series on Connorsville, the fish were had really gotten super shallow. And I think I saw a video from uh, Justin Lucas um, that uh, was him catching a fish on the bed. Said this mm. is the earliest he's ever seen fish on bed at Gunnersville. Okay. Um, it was either this morning or yesterday, maybe. Maybe it's yesterday that he actually did that. Okay. See, I know, um, I know with you guys, it's, I think even when I was watching some of the Elite Series coverage, they were talking about, not not a false spawn, but you know, like a false spring or whatever the, the term is. Cause I don't know with obviously with you guys, the weather fluctuates that warmth. And then obviously they, it could dip down a lot cooler. Whereas up here, if it's, if it warms up, it's not gonna, everything's still pretty much frozen. Or if it starts to thaw, it's not really gonna, it's gonna be a slower thaw. Whereas now, since you guys have open water, that, um, those water, that weather can, you know, get these fish to start doing things earlier than anticipated and push them back, depending on how things play out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We'll still have some cold fronts. I mean, we, if we have a bad snowstorm, it's usually late March, early April okay. when that happens. So yeah, we we'll still have some cold weather come through. So, but you know, the spawn doesn't happen all at once, uh, at least not down yeah. here. I mean, you, you know, you hear about that in Florida. It, it happens over a three months, almost four months period of time. It's not quite that long here, but there will be different waves of fish that they will move in and out. So it kind of yeah. starts usually starts in March. And by the time you get to the end of April, it's mostly finished, but then there's, there's still first couple of weeks of May, there's still some fish spawning then too. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, wrap up this segment. Cause I know that, uh, I know I think our guest, Joseph went is on, he's going to be a bit, a bit of a busy guy, but we'll be right back with Joe in a few minutes here. With so many exclusive designs and processes, no other boat is built like Ranger. It's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features, more performance, and the best value. The Ranger Fisherman Series. From bow to stern, this is results-based engineering at its best. Still building legends, one at a time. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro Access. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. Welcome back to this segment of the show brought to you by Under Armour Fish. Get all of your fishing apparel needs at underarmor.com. Whether it's the Stormfish Hunter cargo shorts, the kilter shoes, or the fish hook logo t-shirt, Under Armour has all of the right options for him and her. Check out the entire Under Armour Fish lineup at underarmor.com. 
And joining us this week, fresh off his Elite Series win on Seminole, we have Elite Series rookie, the Cowboy, Joey Cifuentes. Welcome to the show, Joey. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's really cool being here. I appreciate you having me. Now, before we get started and dive into uh, uh, the win and everything here, please tell us how to say your last name. Because watching live this past weekend, I heard it's pronounced like 50 million different ways. And I have a, an idea how it's pronounced, but I want to hear from you. How do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the correct way to say it is like, if you just say the <clears throat> the letter C, and then if anybody can remember out there, there was a, a girl uh, in the MTV days, she was uh, Daisy Fuentes. Do you remember her? Yes, by any that's chance? quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's been a long time. And I know some of the younger viewers may not know Daisy Fuentes, but if you put, if you say the letter C and then you say Fuentes behind it and put it together, C Fuentes, then you got, you've nailed it. <laughs> I appreciate you. You're going to have to keep uh, hammering Dave Mercer on how to pronounce that name because I think when I was watching it, he, he said it like 15 million different ways. I was like, I, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they were giving me a hard time, and uh, Dave's so funny. I I love him. He's a he's a great. They, they were just, I think they were just adding some some fun to the show and everything. And then Zona, he calls me, and he was trying to get spicy with it and talk like yeah. like my last name's my last name is Spanish. It's a Spanish yeah. influence name, like comes from Spain. So it was uh, he, he was giving me a hard time, but it, it's all fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's not a big deal. My name's been butchered for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Joey, so the first time that I can, I know, I know what uh, I have Kenneth here that's uh, going to be my, uh, my partner in crime here, but for me, at least the first time I was aware of Joey Sifuentes, the angler was watching you fish the MLF title event on Sturgeon Bay. And now you're fishing as a rookie in the elite series. When did you commit yourself to making tournament fishing a career? Um, well, you know, when I, when I, when I started about probably seven or eight years ago, um, when I was fishing with Larry Nixon as a co-angler and like, I just worked my way. I won out of the back of the boat and I qualified to be a, a fish as a professional on the FLW tour. And like, when I, when I qualified and I started doing that, like, I was like, okay, I'm going in on this thing a hundred percent. So that was probably, I think this is my sixth year as a professional out of the front of the boat, uh, starting my sixth year. So. So obviously, uh, you qualified to the elites this year through the Central Opens last year. When when you yeah. decided to fish, the, I know you you fished the Opens on up. I know with last year's decision to fish the Opens at least, was your decision the decision behind that just you fishing whatever you could, or was it to qualify for the Classic, qualifying for the elites, or for some other reason? Um, yeah. So where I was at, you know, when, when the split happened and MLF, the guys went to MLF and, and, um, the guys left bass and all that, uh, my, that, the, what was the FLW tour was now the, basically it felt like, I mean, I know it was a professional tour, uh, but it just felt like I wasn't at the, at the peak of, of, you know, like the, the top league I needed to be in. So, I, you know, I hung in there for a few years and I, and I fished the, what then turned into the tackle warehouse pro circuit and, and it was great. And I loved it. And those people there were great, but I just felt like that it was after this past year and all the things and the changes they were doing with the payouts and like you, it, it just didn't make sense for a guy like trying to make a living doing it. So I 
I wanted to step away from there and try and, and try and focus on going to the Bassmaster Elite Series. And so that's why I fished the Open specifically last year to do that. Okay. So obviously, like, it's, uh, like I said, so you're a rookie this year, um, but your first event, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, I guess you're not really a rookie in terms of how many seasons you fish, but I know you get classified, I think, at least on the bass side, based on your winnings, I think only. I think that's the yeah. criteria that they, they do it on. But but um, but you finish, uh, at least on your first event on Okeechobee, you finished 19th, which I think was probably one of your better uh, finishes on a Florida lake or yeah, a Florida event. And also, you know, did you, were you surprised by that uh, finish on Okeechobee finishing 19th overall? Yeah, because it, you know, when you, the, the Bassmaster Elite Series has this like persona and just this all of it's, it's the, it's the greatest. I mean, I, I was a little bit intimidated. I, I would say, I mean, I was confident. I'm a confident angler and what I, and my capabilities, but like, you never know, when you make it to that level, like, can I compete with these guys? Like you need to, you gotta, you gotta get in there and try it, but like, you just don't know. So, so when I got in there and, and I don't have a lot of good history and um, on Okeechobee and a lot, like you said, a lot of Florida lakes. So um, to go in there and to compete with those guys and, and finish in 19th was, was a huge confidence booster for me going as a rookie. Cause, because, you know, you just don't know the what to expect. Like, how good am I? Am I supposed to be here? You know what I mean? So that that really boosted my confidence. So, like, obviously, you mentioned that you, you fished a couple of years on the FLW tour. You fished along with the legend, uh, but you know, I guess there's you know other against other names too on the FLW or now the MLF side. Uh, so I'm assuming you didn't have like those, you know, those uh, that those morning butterflies, you know, being your first big event or being around all these big name guys. I'm assuming when you, when you woke up and uh, fired that engine up on the first day on Okeechobee, you know, it was just business as usual. Am I correct with that? Yeah. I mean, there was a, uh, it being a new, you know, being the Bassmaster elite series and, and, you know, just being in that tournament. I mean, there was a little, little extra nervousness, but all those years of, of the, the preparation and fishing those other tournaments, um, against some other big you know i fished against a lot of big name guys in those but like it, it definitely gave me a more it, it kept me more calm and like i was and i told myself and i had been doing it for a while now that i was just gonna fish it like it was any other tournament okay so you go from okeechobee finishing 19th you know so that's a day three qualification you made a decent check there but you go right into a back-to-back. So it's a back-to-back event. You go right to practice to another event. Uh, you know, so besides juggling, you know, obviously events, whether it's from like, you know, fishing the, uh, the pro circuit last year and, you know, juggling going from like that to like the opens or whatever. So then, you know, juggling events of different organizations, very rarely do anglers go from one event right into the next besides on the elite series. Did you do anything different to prepare for these back-to-back events? Um, packed more clothes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I took a couple extra more pair of underwear and, uh, so I didn't have to do laundry, but no, I, no, I, um, I have fished, a, you know, like a few back-to-back tournaments, but not, not very many. I mean, not, not this level. So, um, now I just say, man, just like I said, I mean, I, I, I just kind of treated it like it was any other deal. And, um, uh, I knew it was going to be a long, a long couple of weeks and um okay. i was hoping it was going to be a long couple of weeks and fish a lot of days but but yeah i mean uh, you just go in there and um, maybe take a take a few more 
uh, bits of tackle and stuff like that. But, but now just kind of just normal for me. So obviously, you know, second events on Seminole, tell us your plan of attack for this, uh, for practice at least. And what did you find in practice? You know, obviously, you know, there's research that you do beforehand and then uh, stuff that you find uh, during the uh, actual practice period. So yeah, tell us what your plan of attack was and what you found during practice. Okay. So I had, I have a little bit of history on Seminole. I, I fished a FLW tour event there. Um, I think, man, it had been three years ago or four years ago. And I did absolutely terrible. First time I've ever been on the lake. Um, didn't do good. Didn't know anything about the place. Um, the next time I fished it, I fished a smaller tournament. I think it was a Toyota series. And I finished, I made the top 10 and I, and I, I really learned, you know, kind of based off that first tournament, second tournament, where I wanted to fish. Like I wanted to be in spring Creek. Like if I go there, that that's going to be where I'm at now, you know, you never know it could change, but, but that's kind of what I wanted to focus on. And then the specific little area that I fished is where I fished to make that top 10 in the Toyota series. It was, I just felt like, that little, that little area there was, was the most productive. I also, when I made the top 10, there was two like really good guys that are locals that, that fish and win a lot of tournaments on the lake and they were right next to me. And so I remembered that. And so when I went into practice, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm staying in spring Creek. I'm going to focus on this portion of the Creek and I'm going to find a way to catch them and find out where the big ones are at. And so that's what I did. I, I went into it and it was, it was really a tough practice. We had, it was cool. The weather was cool. We had a cold front. The wind was blowing really hard out of the West Southwest and it was blowing right in there to spring Creek. And it was really tough. It muddied up a lot of the waters at the mouth, but there's enough hydrilla between um, where I was fishing at and the mouth of the Creek that it stayed clear where I was at. So I kind of fished up to that where the water started to get dirty, but I stayed back where it was clean. And that was the area that I focused on. And I ended up going in there and, and, and finding the fish there. So that's kind of what I, that was my plan of attack for it. So no other backup areas. You were all in on this one area then. Yeah, I had, you know, I don't know if, if I'm sure people watched. There was one day, and I, 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 I caught some fish punching and it was back up there in spring Creek in a little area. And, um, I, I actually caught some, I caught a couple four pounders out of that little area right there. And I was like, man, this is a place that could, if I need it, I'll go to and check. So like, I think it was day two or, or I think it was day two. I went in there and just kind of messed around for a little bit and, and tried to do that. But yeah, no, that was the, where I was, was that's where I was going to fish, you know, the whole time. Okay. So, so day one comes up, you catch 19 pounds at 13 ounces, which puts you in sixth place, two pounds exactly behind first place. Did day one go according to plan? Was it a little bit better or a little bit worse than what you were expecting? Um, well, I had, so when I got in that area in practice, like I had one day where I, and I didn't just sit on one place and, and catch them. Like I, I bounced around, uh, you know, about a, probably a half a mile stretch of the, of the Creek there. And I had like 24 pounds, like my best five fish. I didn't, I didn't get a whole lot of bites, but I had like really good quality. So, so yeah, I mean, um, I, I focused, you know, I just focused on that little stretch and, um, 
I kind of forgot the question you asked me. <laughs> Can you repeat oh, so it? Just, just, just a day one win according to plan, or was it better or uh, or worse than you oh, were expecting? Oh, that's right. Yeah, so so um, so when I got in there in the tournament on that first day, my goal I was thinking was like twenty pounds would be, you know, pretty good. I, the lake has it's got a lot of that four, you know, four to five pound fish in it, uh, three to five pound fish, I would say. So like, I figured 20 pounds was going to be pretty good. I did not think it was going to be where, where I ended up, you know, in the top 10, but, but, um, but yeah, that, that was good. I was, I was definitely satisfied with that. I actually kind of pulled off of when I had, you know, had it really pretty quick that morning. Um, I kind of pulled off that area and, and went somewhere else because I was thinking in my brain, like, okay, this is pretty close to my goal. I think it's going to be good. I want to lay off of it. Cause you know, I, if, if it, if it works out after day one and I'm sitting good, I'm, I'm going to have a chance to win this tournament. So day two rolls up, but you catch the biggest bag out of the whole entire tournament with the 26 one. What were the difference between day one and day two? Was it just big fish showing up in your area or, or was it something completely different? No. Yeah, it was. Um, so I, I had the first day I had a few post-spawn fish, um, which really blew my mind. I was thinking with the weather and everything, and I didn't really look and research the, the, the weather prior, but I guess there was some warm weather and some fish had already spawned, but I had mo- a lot of uh, pre-spawn or post-spawn fish the first day. The second day, they were like all pre-spawn. So I'm thinking that's why my bag, all my fish were fat and healthy. And that's why I weighed in that big of a bag. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, that just opened my eyes like, Hey, I got fish coming and going, you know? So that's, that's kind of how that worked. So we're halfway through the events, you know, and it's not over just yet, but you know, your name is on top of the leaderboard. Did that have any effect, you know, affecting you, whether it's negatively or positively seeing your name on, 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 again, on the top of the leaderboard, just halfway through the event? Um, no, I, because mainly because I've been there before I've done it. I've led, um, I've led in the past year, I've led a tournament, uh, two days, you know, or to actually, you know, I did three days, uh, going in to several tournaments. And so, no, it, it, since I had been in that situation before I, it didn't affect me. I mean, it's, it does puts, you know, it, it does put a little bit of more pressure on you, but, um, when you when you've been there and done that it's 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 a little easier so day three starts you're in the lead what's going in your head as you as they call your name during takeoff man just all kinds of stuff um you know the the previous like like i was just talking about the some of the previous tournaments where i was leading and had opportunities to win a tournament and 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 it not working out and then maybe it will work out and but I, you know, I just tried to focus on exactly what I was doing and sticking to my game plan and, and fishing my area and staying in there and not, you know, just, just if it, if it didn't work out, like first thing in the morning where I got quick bites, I knew if I stuck around, hung around that, that I would get more bites. So just, just staying positive and, um, you know, just, just getting out there and fishing hard. I mean, that's, that's what I was thinking about. I was just kind of block everything out um, and, and focus on your job. So you weigh in 23 pounds, 13 ounces, which keeps you in the lead. And at this point, you know, I think you had a, yeah, about a four pound gap between you and second place. Uh, 
at what point did you feel that like did you feel that you know what you were doing would hold up for one more day again because you said you've been in this position before but you know again your 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 weights you're pretty steady for the most part but did you feel that your area would hold up for one more day of uh, of competitive fishing yeah i did um i really i really did I, I i felt confident in it um and that was the difference between this tournament and the other ones i felt like i had I had fish that are, that are coming in the spawn, still sitting out there that were, that were pre-spawn and fish that were coming off, you know, coming off the bed and, and going out there. So, so yeah, I, I felt confident in it. I really did. I thought I, my goal was, I thought I could catch 20 pounds off there. No problem. So tell us how day four played out for you. Cause again, it sounds like you're, you're feeling pretty confident at least with what you have and that hopefully it'll hold up. So tell us how day four played out. So when I got down there, um, you know, it, it was, it, it was a grindy day. I could tell it was going to be like instantly I, I was catching, you know, I, I, I did catch a lot of small fish throughout the tournament, but it was like, okay, you know, these, it kept getting, they were, they were still staying small and like I was catching pound and a half or maybe two pounders. And then I lost my first fish and it was probably you know, I want to say it was three and three quarters, maybe close to four. And I hadn't had that happen. And I was, I was mentally, I was prepared though, for, for, you know, a, a lot of um, adversity hitting me. And, and, um, I knew I was going to keep my head down, but when I, when I lost that fish, um, it, it, it hurt me, but I, I kept my head down. I stay positive. I was like, okay, I'm going to get more bites. Don't worry about it. Just, and then I lost another one. And that one was for sure a four pounder. Um, and, uh, so, but I, you know, like I said, I, I just, I, I've been, I, 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 I just stayed positive, man. And you, you can't, you can't let those things affect you. So I just kept fishing and there was still plenty of fish, but that day in particular, it was, it was, it was, it was actually the conditions were much different than what I had all week. It was a very high pressure day. It was a little bit cooler that morning. I remember putting my jacket on. Um, and, uh, so I knew it was kind of, you know, it was going to be a tough, I had a lot of fish that were just getting the back of my worm. They weren't eating the whole thing. Um, but, but I, you know, I just kept my head down. I kept fishing and, and throughout the day, I, I, I kind of moved over to another spot that had some, uh, well first I, and then I landed a six pounder, uh, you know, it was a six, I think it was a six one or something like that. Um, and, uh, that got big bass of the day. And I, I, I caught that fish and I was like, okay, I was like, I've, I've got this. I just need to go. I need to go over here and try and get some, like some three pounders. If I can get three pounders with my, with my six pounder, like, okay, we're going to have a chance, but I still thought that it wasn't going to be enough. Um, so I went over there and I did that. I caught, you know, caught pretty much filled, uh, cold everything out with, with roughly about three pounders. And, um, and then I know you guys watch, but like right there, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the lead that I had. I was expecting when you got Tyler Rivette behind you, the guy that just won and he just weighed in like 26, whatever, 25 pounds the day before. And then Greg Hackney and I, and these guys, and he weighed in 23 pounds or something. And it's, it's, it puts so much pressure because you have to expect that those guys are going to catch them and they're, they're really good. And you, you, but you can't let that affect you. And, and I didn't, but, but there towards the end of the day, I, I lost a absolute giant. I was just thinking if I can get me one more bite, like I, I will have a chance to win this thing. And I end up losing that one. And, and I was devastated. I think, I think a lot of people saw that on camera, but, um, and then I had to leave and I had to go in, but, 
but you know, it, it worked out. Uh, everything worked out right. And they, those guys, I just, I still to this day, can't believe they didn't catch them. But it, you know, like everybody says, when it's your time to win and uh, things kind of work out your way. Joey, this is Kenneth. I did watch that last day uh, there at the end and, and you kind of going through, through that process of losing that fish and what it was doing to you. And, you know, you, you weren't hearing it, but, uh, you know, Zona and the crew were, were like, well, you know, you're, you're still, you're still in the lead. You don't know it, but I, I guess, and I guess as an angler, you, you just mentally, you never, it's hard to put yourself in a position where you think you've got something one always think that somebody's going to do something, especially like, like that, where 30 pounds is possible. Um, it's kind of hard to, yeah. to, to ease up mentally and say, okay, I, you know, I do, I do have this. You there's always that you have to have something pushing you to get through, through the day. So at that moment, what, what did you do to help you try to get, which you didn't have much time left, but, but what did you do to try to try to, keep the wheels on the track and keep going? Um, I just told myself that, you know, I, no matter what happened today, like in all the things that happened and the fish I lost. And I just, I was telling myself like, Joey, you, you fished your heart out. You, you put everything you had in it and, um, you, you, you just did the best you can. And, and no matter what, you know, like, I was, I had a great tournament. Um, I made a top 10 in my second, you know, my second elite series event. And so I was just telling myself that, and I was, you know, I was like, okay, well, whatever happens here at the way. And I knew I still had a decent bag, you know, I mean, 18 pounds wasn't bad, but, um, I just, I just stayed positive. And, um, I actually, I ran, I ran straight back up to right there, right. Take off. And I was fishing hard. I actually caught two or three fish right there before I came in. I don't know if you guys saw on camera, but, but yeah, I just kept, Kept going, kept kept plugging. Okay, um, let's go back to something you said. It kind of got me thinking. You you know you you said that you realized you were you were in an area where you were catching pre spawn and post spawn fish. So you know we got a lot of listeners that you know they fish in different parts of the country, but they hear this a lot. You know we hear it a lot of a lot of tournament guys. You know especially this time of year. So, and, and I know it can be different depending on the type of lake, but let's kind of, I guess, keep it to what you found here on Seminole. So when you found that, what, how did you kind of maximize that area? Were you camping in one spot? Did you have to move around? Did you have to let certain places rest? Did you have sweet spots? Can you go in a little more detail of, of what that area was like and how you tried to maximize your time there? Yeah. So what my the, the what I was fishing is and in Spring Creek particularly, you've got you've got uh, the main the main boat lane I guess you would say is tip is it's not always in the main creek channel but it's um it's about twenty probably anywhere from like twenty six to twenty eight feet in the in the in the main channel and then from from there it comes up and it's pretty steady like all through there where it comes up on a big flat it's like a flat about twenty to twenty two foot. And it runs, um, it'll stay really flat with, and all that out there has timber in it. And so when you, when you get to the, the edge of the grass is in about 15 to 16 foot somewhere in there, you've got straight hydrilla, like basically all the way up to the top. And then from there to the bank, it's just, you know, until you get right up on the bank, it's just straight, you know, there's, there's not a lot of holes in the grass. It's just straight hydrilla. So, but what, what I was focusing on there and what I dialed in on my area was, and, um, was some really, 
there was some big cypress trees and they were, there was clumps of them. Like they weren't everywhere because most, a lot of the timber was smaller, but there was like some really big cypress trees about probably, I would say six, seven foot tall that were just cut off. And there was, for some reason, those bass would love, they loved to hang around those really big stumps. And so there was, I had, I think I had maybe four different spots in there, particularly that had those big stumps. And and sometimes there'd be like two of them right next to each other. And sometimes it would just be one, but those places I found when I was going through there, um, somewhat in practice, but I didn't really realize it until I was going through the tournament, those, those fish were holding on those certain stumps. And so that's what I was targeting. And, um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, there now, what I would do is when I was fishing, when I want to go, you can't, you know, you can't just go idle from stump to stump because it's so, it's so thick. I mean, it's a very dense forest in there. So I would just fish in in between. And I did see fish in between those that weren't on those big stumps. And I would, I would pitch at them too, you know, cause there was a lot of fish that were swimming. They were, I think they were coming in out of the river, um, into spring Creek and working their way back in the Creek too, you know, kind of like a main highway right there. So, so I would see some fish that were in between and I'd, I'd go to another set, another waypoint I had at stumps. And I just basically rotated those, um, those, those little sweet spots and fished in between them. And, um, that's kind of how I did it. So it sounds like you were using some form of electronics to help you in this process. What, what were you using? How, how did you utilize it? Yeah. So I use, I use Garmin, um, uh, the live scope and, uh, it, that, that thing, obviously it helps you locate the fish. And, um, so, so yeah, I would just, I would sit there and, and scan around. Now, something a lot of people don't realize is you can't see like when, when, when you have those big stumps, a lot of times there'll be fish that are on the other side of those trees and you can't see them. So, um, whenever I did see a big tree and I didn't see any fish on it, I would go ahead and throw my, my drop shot over by the tree. And a lot of times those fish would just come out of nowhere. Like they'd be on the, on the, I I'd particularly try and throw it on the side of them, like right on the side. So they would, you could, you would see a fish come out blind behind a tree and, and, and go down there and, and go, and go down on your bait and eat it. So, um, that's kind of how I was using it. And, you know, just constantly just scanning around, I mean, trying to locate them. And, and then, uh, the other battle was trying to get them to bite. I had, I had so many fish that, that would go down big ones that, that just wouldn't eat. I don't know if they were post spawn and they were just weren't in the mood to eat or not, but, um, or pressured or whatnot, but they, it was, uh, that's kind of how I was doing it. So uh, how long did it take you? Did it happen in practice? Did it happen in tournament? How long did it take you to kind of narrow down to that drop shot? Well, um, so it didn't take me real long, but the first thing I did was, well, first off, I noticed the fish were, they were not suspended high enough, um, to, for me to throw a jerk bait or a swim bait or, um, you could catch them. The the problem is, is the, the trees were so thick, um, that you had to do something like a jig or a magnum worm or something like that, or magnum shaky head worm or something like that and pitch it at them because you, you can't make a cast there because you, you get a fish wrapped around a tree in a heartbeat, a big, you know, six pounder, like it's going to break you off. So I, I did throw in practice. I was throwing, throwing a jig and, and throwing a magnum shaky head and I had a few bites on it, but I got, 
just as many quality bites and way more bites on the on the drop shot. So when I figured that out, I figured, hey, this is this is what I'm gonna stick with. But I but initially every morning, you know, I tried I tried to use big line and in 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 a big bait and you know, so I could get them out of there no problem and land all the fish. But but it just seemed like I needed to do that finesse technique to to, to get more bites and, and like guarantee myself that every fish I threw on was going to eat. <clears throat> you threw, I, I, unless I, you had a rotation of colors that wasn't on live, but I believe you were throwing just morning dawn. What was so special about that color? Well, why use morning dawn in those, in that particular scenario? Um, really no really particular reason. I guess I, I fished, um, I fished all over the country and different places. And if there's one color that like is the, is the one I'm going to tie on pre-practice it to going into practice or, or, or just to like, just to try if say I'm fishing in a tournament, it's going to be that color. It, it works everywhere. Um, it's on, I don't know why <laughs> I can't, I can't answer that, but it, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where I go in the country. I've got that, that color on something about it. They, they like it and they bite it. So just to wrap up the, the 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 tournament part, I guess you could say, um, you're the like because you know they weigh back us in chronologic order from the uh, from tenth to first. So you're the last person to weigh in, and, and as you're coming up on stage, Dave Mercer tells you that you need a little over nine pounds to win. Does it sink at that moment, or is everything a blur because you're so focused and trying to make sure that you? Because obviously, even looking at the 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 bulk of your bag, I, I could just tell that obviously you have more than nine pounds. But did did it sink in at that moment when he was talking about that, or did you have to wait and see that that number pop on the scale before you you know realize that you won? Yeah, I mean, when he said I needed nine pounds, I you, there's a picture of me. I kind of like. I covered my mouth. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, because I, you know, obviously I knew I had, <laughs> I had more than nine pounds, but yeah, at that moment I was like, Oh man, I, I really did just do this. You know, it's, it sunk in right then. And then, um, it, it, it was, man, it's just a blur. It's like, it was, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you know, they, you know, uh, you fished with this person and you, you have a unique travel partner. Tell us how, you know, you, you becoming roommates with legend, uh, with Larry, uh, Nixon, how did that all come to be? So, um, when I, I'm originally from Florida, I, I grew up there. I lived there for about 15 years. I moved to Arkansas in high school. And, um, when I came to Arkansas, um, I became friends, uh, with a, with a good buddy of mine and his dad, uh, used to travel with Larry and, and go to some of the tournaments and, and fish with him and, you know, like pre-practice and stuff like that. And, um, and, and so I told my buddy, you know, I got to somewhat kind of get around Larry a few times and, um, I love, love bass fishing. That buddy of mine, we, we would fish team tournaments together and I kept bugging him and bugging him. I'm like, Hey man, can I, can I get in the boat with Larry? Like I, I, um, I do anything to fish with Larry Nixon, you know, he's a legend. And, uh, and so it happened and, um, me and Larry got in the boat and, uh, we hit it off instantly. He, he just really liked me. He saw my, my, my ability to fish and, and some of the things I was doing and catching fish. And, and he, he was thinking like, Hey, this guy, he could really help me as, as a co, you know, a co-angler and a practice partner, um, learning some lakes and, 
or, or helping them maybe, you know, maybe get a few extra bites and learn some things. And so, so I did that and I started fishing as a co-anger with him and, and I, you know, the, the rest is history there. I just, I won several tournaments doing that out of the back of the boat and, um, kind of progressed my way to where I'm at today. Uh, I figured you probably had a lot of persuasion into his decision <laughs> to join the elite series this year too, but I'm pretty sure he, uh, it's good that he, he, yeah. he came along and, and just to kind of help keep things going with, uh, you know, with, um, the camaraderie and the familiar that you have, uh, at least with the officially on the pro circuit side as well. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, it, it's funny how everything kind of works out, but whenever, whenever, uh, he figured out that he could use his legends exemption exemption and, and get into the elite series, it was, it was awesome. Cause we, we feel comfortable together, travel together and, and talking and he's the only guy I talked to in practice. So it's, uh, it was, it was really sweet. It was a cool thing. Well, I know you're a busy guy. I know that you're uh, getting well, waiting on a celebratory uh, event here. So we thank <laughs> you so much for just taking some time out of your busy and chaotic schedule the last few days to just spend time with us and our listeners. Uh, thank you again, and just good luck with the rest of the Elite Series season. Thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed talking to you guys and appreciate you having me on. All right, there you have it. Kenneth and listeners, the latest winner of the Elite Series event on Seminole, uh, Joey Sefuentes, KG. You know, he's this guy's on a roll. I mean, he, like, like I mentioned during the interview, he, he finished 19th and then he got a first place. So I think he's in the top three. Obviously, he's leading the rookie of the year, but I know he's in the, in, in the race for uh, for angle year so far. Uh, and, and like I mentioned, you know, he's considered a rookie, but he's not. Well, I, you know, you look back, he's actually been on a roll for a while. He had a really good year last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, to get through the Opens to make it to make it there uh, is a really good year. But, uh, man, he had a lot of really good tournaments last year. So he's kind of been building on this for a while. You know, like he, he talked talked about how he started in the back of the boat, um, you know, progressed his way through. But, I mean, he, he is like – it's like he's building a house. You know, he started with the foundation and he's – and he's worked his way up and, um, you know, it's been, been, been a solid way to do it. I mean, it's really working out for this guy, obviously winning the second one in, uh, yep. you know, monetarily, it's got to be a tremendous, tremendous help for him, you know, to, you know, to help get through the, through the end of the season. Um, but also mentally, man, you know, he's, he's had two really good finishes, uh, and a win. Now he knows he can, um, I mean, he knew he could, but but he's done it. It's it's different knowing you can and not doing it than knowing you can and then getting it done. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how the rest of the season goes for him. He's a very confident angler, very good angler. Has a lot of and understanding of what he's doing. He's fished all over the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, I expect him to continue to to do well the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. What was it? Uh, obviously, I'm I'm pretty sure with most of these guys, first year in. Rookie of the year is as uh, a goal, but you know, and then obviously anything else because I'm not saying it's easier to achieve rookie of the year, but we all know how hard it is to get a a, a blue trophy, and then let alone be in contention to win that uh, end of the year as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely see. And the season is still young, but we'll see how things continue to play out this year because uh, I know they knocked out two events within a little over a week period. So, uh, but definitely excited to see how things play out for Joey because yeah, like you said, because uh, even yeah, when I when I mentioned at the beginning of that segment. Uh, I I, st- I started noticing him around uh, the, the the MLF title event and just 
from then on, I've seen that he's been uh, doing pretty well the last few years on the pro circuit side too. So definitely uh, looking forward to see how things play out for him on the elite series side too. All right. And with that, it's time to wrap up this segment and we'll come right back to finish the final part of the show. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. Welcome back to the final segment of the show brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. Whether you're looking for something to go along with your Sunday's best or even a new pair of eyeglasses, visit costadelmar.com and see what's out there. So first up, I've got a few results from this past weekend here. First one up is the ABT South Division. Those anglers were on Lake Martin this past weekend and winning that event was the team of Rob Lee and Steve Winsett. They caught 1606. The BFL Choo Choo Division was on Gunnersville this past weekend. And Johnny Patterson caught 25 pounds and one ounce to take the win there. The Extreme Bass Series anglers were fishing on Orange Lake. And with a big bass of 1259 that made up their 2887, the team of Derek Manning and Dylan Robinson won on Orange Lake. Fishing Lay Lake were the Bassmaster High School Series and representing Hill Century High School. With 19 pounds and 5 ounces for the win, Trevor Wilburn and Kagan Hill took the W on Lay Lake. And then upcoming events this coming weekend, we've got the Bassmaster Opens. They'll be fishing on Lake Eufaula this coming Thursday through Saturday. The Wild West Bass Trail Pro-Am event will be on Lake Oroville. The MLF BFL Oki Division will be fishing Grand Lake. The Media Bass Texas Fork Individuals Division will be fishing Lake Fork. And the last one up is the Carolina Anglers Team Trail. The Wiley Division will be fishing on Lake Wiley. Please make sure you submit any results or schedules to dshong at anglerchannel.com. That's D-X-I-O-N-G at anglerchannel.com. And I'll make sure I get them posted up. For all upcoming events, please pick, uh, please make sure you check out the tournaments tab on the Anglers Channel website. So there isn't as much in the news and notes section this week here, but uh, as we record or on Tuesday, uh, the biggest announcement so far this week, because it's been rather quiet, was the announcement of the 2024 Bassmaster Classic location and dates. And for next year, for 2024, the Bassmaster Classic will be on Grand Lake and Tulsa will be the host city. KG, your thoughts? Um, I guess, I guess it depends, you know, 
it's not not really a surprise. You know, we're we're seeing and and I know. I mean, I hear from fans. They talk about how you know all these tournaments keep going to the same locations over and over. But you got to really understand what's going on here. And, and I'm trying. I'm trying not to get on a soapbox here, but <laughs> but you know there there are certain locations that that um, has it, it has been very beneficial to them to to host a classic. And that's why those locations keep popping back up, uh, you know, on a regular basis, because there's a lot that goes into it. You have the expos, you have to have a a facility that can handle the expo. Uh, Obviously you have to have, um, you know, a, the right, the right kind of lake, the right facilities with the lake, and then a way to get the anglers to and from the lake, uh, a place to do the weigh-ins and all that. So there, there are, there's specific criteria that has to, you know, little check marks have to happen first uh, to, to, to be a viable location, but then there's also some money involved. So it takes, it takes a, a community, a city, an area, and all these things that's willing to put all this together package and present it to, you know, BSS in order to have the classic. So um I'm not surprised from a location standpoint because you know they've done it before. It's obviously worked out well. Um, it, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that lake has continued to get more pressure, so um, you know, to continue to get bigger tournaments. Um, so, but it's, look, that that is a lake that seems to be uh, pretty. Uh, pretty varied in, in what can be done to fish. And that's, to me, I, I kind of like that from a, from a competitor standpoint, I like the classic to be on a lake that it's not, you know, just one specific way, you know, it's, or, you know, the weather will have an effect on this. It'll change things. Uh, the water levels will have an effect, you know, all those variables that come into play um, just make it that's more of a challenge. And that's what the classic should be. The classic should be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, no, not very popular with people that don't like to see this, you know, repeat stuff. But like you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of stuff that go into play with it, you know, logistical stuff, money and stuff like that. But uh, it's been by, by, yeah, by next year when the, they actually also be eight years. So it's been quite a while actually since they've uh, hosted an event there, or at least the, the classic there. So we'll see how it goes. I know that people want to see new stuff, but if you want, you know, if you really, really feel that you've got a place that you, um, what was it that that can hold such a high level event, especially in the fishing side of it, lobby and try to see if you can get the, uh, some of that stuff to go. Cause there's a lot of stuff that comes into play. And I know that, uh, you know, it's not, you know, sometimes it's always the same old stuff, but, uh, but I am looking forward to going back to Tulsa and see how things play out this time around next year. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm sure, I'm sure the folks at, at BSS would love to find a new venue and a, a new location. Um, yeah, obviously it would put them in front of a potentially a, a new crowd as well. So it would be yeah. beneficial to them, but they are limited to what those options are because of everything that does involved with the classic. So, yeah, I, I know that people don't like seeing the classic go back to the same venues all the time, but um, you know, it's, it's still the classic. It's still the Super Bowl of bass fishing. So definitely still looking forward to see how things are. If you're a diehard person, that's going to be the attends Bassmaster classics pretty much every year. Like I do, Make sure that you set the calendars, uh, your calendars up from March 22nd to the 24th of next year. And hopefully I'll see you guys next year. Other than that, the news, the only other news I have this week was 
skill fishing. They picked up Fletcher Shryock uh, as their pro on the, for their pro staff. So, congratulations, Fletcher, with uh, for picking that up. Other than that, I think that's pretty much it. We'll keep it kind of short this week here. Again, thanks everyone for always supporting the English Channel Insider Podcast. Um, you know, with uh, with listening and everything, make sure that you rate review and share our podcast with your friend, family, whoever uh, that loves tournament fishing. Um, and also make sure that you support uh, all the partners that help make this uh, podcast happen. And those partners are Ranger, Mercury, Humminbird, Minkota, Strike King, Luz, Trickstep, Reliant, Costa Sunglasses, Under Armour, and Sportsman's Warehouse. And I know that, you know, we always, we've always talked about this in the past, but make sure that you, uh, especially during this time of year, uh, you know, water's still cold. I know for me, it's, you know, the weather's been a bit warmer the last few days, but again, I still have solid, uh, solid ice for the most part. So I'm not going to be on the water anytime soon, but for you guys that have access to, uh, open water, make sure that you have that PFD buckled up or close by. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, but Luke Duncan shared a video on social media the other day. Uh, I don't know if it was just him fishing for fun, if it was practice for an event or something like that, but uh, he shared a video on social media where he um, uh, was making a few casts, set the hook, got stuck on or snagged on something, went and, you know, trolled over, you know, started poking his rod to try to uh, free up that snag. And, you know, the rod and reel popped out of his hand. And instinctually, he kind of just dove for it and kind of felt went overboard, took a dip in the water. Fortunately for him, it wasn't super deep. But uh, from what he posted and shared, uh, water attempts only in the 50s. So that's not really warm. And it doesn't take much to be in that temperature water, especially by yourself. Uh, for bad things that possibly happen. So uh, make sure that you have that PFD buckled up or close by. Uh, again, especially during this time of year, especially if you're fishing by yourself or in an unfamiliar area. But other than that, thanks again for just tuning, tuning in this week. Congratulations to Joey Cifuentes for joining us. And thanks to him uh, for just uh, being a guest this week. And until our next show, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trick Step. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.